Double jeopardy. Such an interesting concept. One that is often carried out in the court of law. Defined as the prosecution of a person twice for the same offense or the risk or disadvantage incurred from two sources simultaneously. For example, let's just say that a man was tried for breaking and entering an establishment by a jury of his peers and he's found not guilty. But later on, new evidence surfaces that makes the same man appear guilty of the offense. Double jeopardy protects him from being tried again because he cannot be tried twice for the same crime. Now, what does any of this have to do with you and me? Well, we're people with personalities, particular practices and very unique points of view, meaning that it isn't rare for us to show up in spaces and assert ourselves without sometimes making someone uncomfortable, not intentionally by the things that we do, but simply by existing. For all my biracial babies out there, too white for the black kids and too black for the white kids. To all my Christians out there, too worldly for the church, but too churchy for the world. To my political middle people, too liberal for conservatives and too conservative for the liberals. To all my people who identify as an ambivert, too much I, not enough E, and vice versa. You're too loud. You're too proud. You're too quiet. You're too calm. You're not responding in the way that the person you're engaging with would like for you to respond. And you're creating discomfort in communities that you're connected to. And when you do this, people playing the role of judge, either outwardly or inwardly, prosecute you for practicing your preferences, living your lifestyle or simply showing up as yourself. You know, I've come to understand that humanity has a really hard time pursuing wholeness and accepting wholeness because of its ever evolving journey. This beautiful bout of what it means to become. To become is to accept our own unraveling. To feel the shifting of the foundation beneath our feet as we swing into new seasons and experience very raw realities. It's dealing with the discomfort as we discard parts of ourselves and allow what we find beneath the surface to flourish. There's a lot to unpack in this idea, so maybe a poem can better express what I'm saying. Double Jeopardy. I wear two faces sometimes. That doesn't mean that I fake with one and keep it real with the other. I've simply found some things within myself that I'd much rather keep covered. I change my voice on the phone to make you picture me different. As image meets inflection, things can shift in an instant. I dress how I do because I've come to respect how I wish to be viewed. Social standards have left my mind a bit battered and bruised. It's an internal war, one quite hard to explain. Two beasts running wild that don't wish to be tamed. There is one who is proper, the other hails from the projects. One bows down to women and the other views them as objects. One cherishes money, the other throws it away. One is set and celibate, the other seeks to get laid. One prays for world peace, the other looks for resistance. One loves to be lazy, the other preaches persistence. 
They are the unlucky married couple that fell right out of love, but they're still hooked to each other, like they're addicted to drugs. As they fight with each other, they pull and they tug. One is looking for answers, the other's looking for love. If they would just work together, my God, the power they would hold. But one sought out salvation, and the other's soul has been sold. It's an internal war, one quite hard to explain. Two beasts running wild that don't wish to be tamed. You see, in this poem, we have this constant contrast. You see the desire for purity, but also the temptation of trial. The highs of humanity, but also the lows that come with living. Capturing an up-close perspective of wonder. Acknowledging what is happening among the world within us. And as I was exploring this concept of double jeopardy and playing with this poem, I actually found uh, incredible teaching on personality and subpersonalities from one of my favorite teachers, whose name that you will hear often in this podcast. And maybe one day he will actually be on this podcast. Let me go ahead and prophesy. OK, this is uh, his name is John Mark Comer. I love his work and I'm sure you might love it, too, if you're familiar with it. In his teaching, he says this. I'll be quoting and paraphrasing here. One way to think about yourself is as a personality. You are a type three or four on the Enneagram or you're an ESFP on the Myers-Briggs or maybe you're a DC on the disc test or whatever the paradigm is. And that's great. The problem is that personality exams do not capture the complexity of the human condition. When it comes to whatever personality you're subscribing to, you're not only that, you're not even that. So another way to think about yourself is not as a personality, but as a family of subpersonalities. Now that sounds weird, but placed in line with biblical theology, God on the first page of the Bible is three in one, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, meaning that God is relational to the core. And God goes on to say this, let us make humanity in our image, three in one, and we are made in the image of God, which means that we are relational to the core. It says God is a family who makes families. And psychologist and spiritual director David Benner says what we call I, the word I, as we know it, is actually a family of many part selves. The problem is our subpersonalities all have their own agenda. And the soul is often a kind of Darwinian survival of the fittest battleground. Richard Foster actually outlines the inner tug of war that many of us feel, maybe one that you heard in the poem. He says this, within all of us is a whole conglomerate of selves. And each of these selves are rugged individualists. Each one screams to protect his or her vested interests. If a decision is made to spend a relaxed evening listening to classical music or hip hop, if you're me, the business self and the civic self rise up and protest at the loss of precious time. The energetic self paces back and forth, impatient and frustrated. The religious self reminds us of the lost opportunities for study or godly contact. No wonder in our experience with all of these subpersonalities. Do we overcommit our schedules and live lives of frantic 
faithfulness. He really challenges us here to not subscribe to one particular personality exam or even receive the entirety of what one of these personality exams might say about us, but instead to realize that there is such complexity that comes equipped with the human condition that no one personality exam can even scratch the surface of what we are underneath. Now, there are a few layers at work here. From our time together, you can see that we have an internal struggle, subpersonalities within us at work, constantly warring against each other. We also see the external frustration and judgment from others on you for simply being yourself. We also see this cultural clash that occurs from people who simply feel frustration for being proximate to one another because anytime you put people proximate to each other, there will always be problems. And I don't mean to sound so full house here, but everywhere you look, outward or inward, judgment exists. And I believe that this judgment and the frustrations that stem from it are predicated on the way that we were programmed. It's centered around certitude and selfishness. And because we make our preferences personal, as Donald Miller says, we eclipse ourselves from the freedom that comes from experiencing the fullness of life. Look, today's episode title is not some witty way to express an idea. It's quite literally an invitation. I want to invite you today to play in the gray. Now, what do I mean when I say that? When it comes to play, play is simply defined by engaging in an activity for enjoyment and recreation rather than a seriousness or practical purpose. And gray is this idea of the gray area, an area or situation in which it is difficult to judge what is right and what is wrong. I think many of us, the older we get, we lose our ability and desire to play. We get so wrapped up in societal narratives, we get so wrapped up in cultural cues that we start to build for ourselves an idol out of identity, and we really lose what it means to just enjoy simple living. We're so busy consuming narratives from the news, and we're so busy scrolling on social media, and we're so busy, you know, like I said last episode, creating these perfectly curated lives that we're so afraid to get next to someone who doesn't live or practice or vote or believe in the way that we do. My mentor calls this, and maybe I've said this a couple times in some previous episodes, experiencing the fullness of life. I thank God for different cultures because not only their food, but also their ethnic makeup and the heritage and the culture that they bring to the table. It's so drastically different from the group that I come from or the group that you come from. And what would life be if we took these things away? It's an experience that's worth examining and play means to actually live your life and enjoy rather than take so serious the life that's existing around you and also enjoy what is happening within you. Now, I know this could be difficult for a lot of us, but it's just an invitation and some information that I want you to sit with. In this gray area, finding ourselves in a situation in which we get to judge what is right or wrong, I'm not telling you to throw out your foundation. I'm not telling you to just open your life up and do all the things and experience all the things that life has to offer. Clearly, you need a firm foundation to stand on. But what I am saying is rather than judge someone for their personality traits, for judging someone for their preferences, judging someone for the way that they vote or we're trying to play God. And we're trying to be a person of control 
and we just need to let people live and love them exactly where they are. I think that there is so much to be learned from going into these lanes that we don't live in to be caught up in the playful mystery of life. And I know that there are not only endless wonders at work within you, but there are also endless wonders that are being outwardly expressed all around you in people, in places and in communities that you're going to be connected to. And the only way for you to adequately enjoy the things that you're exposed to is to learn how to play in the gray. I want you today to get comfortable experiencing the unknown, slipping slowly away from certitude without forking over your foundation. And I know it sounds so utopian, but humanity could be one huge family that connects, creates, and cares for one another. And in the acknowledgement of what we know to be true, the things that we hold close to our lives, our values, our mission, our purpose, we can still live lives that invite others into our spaces and share the joys that come from communion with those that are not like us. Grace for our failures today and freedom for our futures. Until next time, go in peace.